Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this episode of CEO on the Go. I hope you're doing well and enjoying the summer or whatever season that you might be in when you're listening to this. I'm guessing that if I asked you the question, have you ever felt like you're on your own island at work? You would probably say yes, or maybe there have been some times when you've just had to focus so much on your own team or your own department that you really don't know what's going on in other areas of the organization, and at least not to the extent that you should. Today, I'm talking about ways to break down silos, and that's a topic that comes up frequently in my conversation with clients in many industries. A lot are aware of their situation if they are siloed, but they may not have considered just how problematic silos can be and or they don't know what to do about it. So I'll break down the topic of breaking down silos today, and I encourage you to share this episode with your peers in your organization or other team leaders to help them understand the importance of taking action to make a positive change in this area in some way. So first, when I'm talking about silos, I'm referring to departments or teams that are working in isolation, kind of like they're in their own little bubble. The term silo is often used as a metaphor for groups of people who are working independently from other groups. And I know in many ways, we may have felt like we've been siloed during the pandemic, but I'm talking about the real silo effect of individuals, teams, or departments that are working in a way that keeps them disconnected from other areas. And it may not be intentional. So, you know, we'll talk about that. And there's some fields that lend themselves to being more solitary given the nature of the work. You know, for example, if you're in an analytical field or research, sometimes those industries seem to be more solitary. But there are lots of examples of silos happening in, in different industries. For example, in healthcare, fragmented care is a problem which can contribute to high costs and often poor outcomes for patients when you know they're receiving care through kind of a patchwork of of different providers maybe you know primary care practices or specialty clinics hospitals other resources that often don't communicate with each other so there're gaps that are inevitable in in healthcare and opportunities to try to prevent them so that problems can be prevented and patient outcomes can improve same goes for mental health treatment where you may have a number of different people who are serving a person in different ways but they're not communicating with each other and higher education there could be a fragmented approach where you have educators who are doing their own thing and researchers and clinicians that aren't necessarily working together Um, We can talk more about that. You know, I always brag on one client who's been able to bring those three areas together very successfully after having been siloed for a number of years. I personally was in the insurance and financial services industry many years ago, and I was on the retirement planning side in a really large corporation. And I remember that we were also expected to make referrals for life insurance. The life insurance people at this company were also expected to reciprocate and give referrals to us. 
But we really weren't incentivized to do that and didn't have a lot of information, at least in my opinion, to help us be successful in bringing those two areas together. That was many years ago. Um, another example is technology. Sometimes that's its own silo in many organizations because so many people don't understand what's going on in there. It's kind of this mysterious part. I often hear people say, yeah, we don't really know what they're doing in there. They're kind of speaking a different language. We know they're being helpful, but we don't really have an understanding of what's going on. Small business is not immune either. You'd be surprised at how siloed even small businesses can be that have few employees. And there could be another silo when you're looking at nonprofits where the board is its own silo when it's not connected to staff. And sometimes there are silos that aren't departmental. Leadership teams can be their own silos operating behind closed doors, even if you're not back in the office, (laughs) even if you're working virtually, you may not have actual doors to close, but people can see that or sense that in their own way. So what are some of the problems that silos can create? They can hinder productivity. Say, for example, employees aren't aware of some relevant information that they need to have, and they're trying to track down something that could be easily accessible, but they just don't know where to find it. Silos can stifle innovation. You can't really come up with as many creative ideas on your own as you could if you were encouraging other teams to participate and get their perspectives and cross-pollinate ideas. Another problem is that they can create lower morale when employees aren't feeling like they're engaged with other people as much, then relationships between teams can weaken. And that really threatens motivation that people might have to be working in a way that's producing the results that you need. Um, You know, on a related issue, I don't think that silos help mental health issues either. You know, there's been this epidemic of loneliness. I talked about that on another episode called experiencing loneliness and isolation at the top. It's not limited to people at the top, which you may be, but employees, people in general are really lonely. And so when you're operating in silos, it kind of fosters that sense of isolation and disconnection among people. And then finally, you know, customer or patient experience. Silos can be problematic there when you have different people trying to serve the customer or patient in different ways where there's inconsistency or they're just not able to achieve the results that they need. So what are some warning signs that you might want to look out for? First of all, look out for teams that are duplicating efforts, you know, where where you see that there's one team that's been working on some kind of project and then another team is starting to do almost the same thing, not realizing that someone else, you know, in a different area has already done the same thing. I just saw this recently with a client who said that there was one person on her team that was trying to create a new protocol, not realizing that someone else, I think this was even another person on the same team, different area, had already created the protocol that they were looking for. So it was good that they were able to catch that early. Another sign to look out for is if leaders aren't aware of new initiatives. Let's take as an example, a new HR initiative where in human resources, they're about to roll out something, but some departments are aware others are not. So had they gotten more input from everyone on the front end, it may have helped the initiative roll out. Another sign to look for is information hoarding, where this this can be for a lot of reasons, where Team members aren't sharing information with other teams, kind of squirreling information away. It could be because they're fearful or it could be because they're, you know, trying to gain a competitive edge. 
all kinds of reasons, but look for that as a sign. Another sign, power struggles, where members of one team may just not play well with some team members on another team. Listen to how they speak. If you see some team members saying, this is what we're doing, and they're only talking about their team, and they're not broadening the context or asking questions about how we can do things in a larger, more inclusive way, then that can be problematic too. So listen out for language in terms of how team members are talking about what's going on. Are they constantly referencing their own team or are they able to see the broader team? Another sign, and I'm not really sure how to refer to this, I'll just call it default thinking, where they're falling into habits where people are turning to the same people internally for answers, for help. They're not really looking outside of their own team. They're just going to the same people in the same way. Could be you. Maybe you're the boss that everyone is always turning to for answers. But a lot of times teams don't think to look outside of their own team to find out what other teams are doing and asking questions. Hey, how did you all solve a problem like this? Or what is your process for decision making? Just asking questions outside of your team can be so valuable. And then finally, another sign is lack of transparency. So I know that not everyone has to air their dirty laundry in public, but if you're in a department that's experiencing some kind of challenge and you're not sharing that in some way, you're not able to speak with other leaders who are your peers, that could indicate not just a silo problem, but a cultural problem. And in some cases, teams may not even want to share their successes broadly because they don't want other people to know their secrets. So transparency is is another indicator. So like I said, a lot of silos are inevitable in some way. They aren't necessarily a bad thing. However, they really can be problematic if you see that work isn't being done in the way that it needs to and you're not getting the outcomes that you would like. So here are some things that you can do to make sure that you're breaking down the silos and building kind of that culture of collaboration and communication across the board. One is to make sure that you've got a clear, common vision coming from the top. So you should really be taking the lead and breaking down silos by putting the focus back on the common vision, which often people have just lost sight of. Not their fault, but you as a leader can help reorient them around that bigger picture. Two is check what you're incentivizing. Are you incentivizing collaboration? Um, Sometimes you might have incentive structures in place that are actually promoting silos and, and more independent ways that you're working. Number three is to build relationships. And I'm talking about just getting to know people on other teams on a personal level, that human side, because if you're trying to build collaboration, with other teams, you've got to establish trust and trust is based on building stronger relationships. Number four is creating cross-functional teams or even looking for projects that would engage teams from different areas. And and that probably speaks for itself, but it's worth mentioning that cross-functional teams are trending now. This, this new model of helping teams, you know, work across different areas is where the future is going, moving away from the more hierarchical kind of model, the top-down approach. So more reason to be putting that in place in your organization or doing that in a much bigger way. Number five is providing the right collaboration tools. You know, we're working in a more hybrid work world now where some people are in the office and some are working remotely. I've done a couple of other episodes on that topic, on the new way of working, but play around with some tools to see if you can generate more interest in having people work together in different ways to build more collaboration virtually. And then finally, number six 
it might be helpful to seek some outside support when you need it, some consulting or facilitation expertise, so that if you as the leader are too close to the issues, it's great to have someone from the outside who's skilled at being able to help drive a conversation that opens up the communication in new ways and helps the organization as a whole come together differently. Um, it's really worth it to do that, to draw on those kinds of resources if you need it. And there are a lot of great experts out there. Of course, I'm happy to help if needed, but sometimes it does help to just get a completely unbiased perspective as you're trying to bring people together and break those silos. So a couple of initial actions I'm suggesting that you take. One is to just assess how siloed your team is now. And I'm not talking about a formal assessment. This is just a simple gut check. You know, if you say on a scale of one to four, uh, one is we're not siloed at all. We're doing great. We're so connected. Everyone's in harmony. We're communicating well at all levels across the board. If that's the case, give yourself uh, a one. <laughs> Number two would be we're somewhat siloed, where maybe there's some pockets of the organization that are working too independently that need to be resolved. Uh, give yourself a three if you're mostly siloed, where more teams than not are doing their own thing and not really aware of what's going on with other teams. And then maybe four is we are extremely siloed, where almost no one knows what's going on. We're just trying to get through the day and get our own work done. So just do a simple gut check to see where you are and then identify one area, just one area of the business where if you bridged a gap, it would have the most significant impact. In other words, you're not trying to bring the whole organization together at this same time. You're just picking a starting point and putting a strategic focus on that. So for example, you might be looking at bridging sales and operations or bringing together education and research more strategically or technology and human resources. Or if you're in healthcare, it might be uh, one practice group. If you're a doctor or uh, you know working with a large group, you might want to bridge uh, a gap with another practice area that you need to be working more closely with. There are all kinds of examples. So I just wanted to share a few of those and say there's no shame in admitting that your organization has too many silos. But here's an important tip. When you talk about breaking down the silos, talk about what you want to see happen and why it's important, as opposed to saying, you know, we've got to break down these silos. Instead, try something like, we want to find ways to help us work together to get better outcomes for our patients or to serve our customers better or to collaborate in new ways that help us innovate, something like that. In fact, that's general advice that I give in almost any context, even in your personal life. Talk a lot more about what you want to see or where you want to go, not what you don't want. It's so powerful to do it that way. And be sure not to point a finger at anyone to blame for the siloed culture. It often just happens naturally over time. It might seem like it's an organizational issue, but it's ultimately a leadership issue. Let me know what silos you're bridging and be patient. It may take some time, you know, tough habits can be hard to break. Some people may resist, but I think that you'll find that now's the time that people are actually more receptive and eager to connect in ways that they haven't before. Breaking the silos will actually help them do that. It can be an energizing process to help you and your team get better results for those you serve. So that's a lot, but I hope it was helpful and gave you some ideas to think about. Thanks for listening as always, and feel free to share and rate this podcast. I hope you have a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, feel free to share this episode with someone else who might benefit 
or leave a review. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn or visit workmatters.com. You might also want to check out the Social Movement TV show, a bold new docuseries that brings together entrepreneurs from all over the world to solve impossible world problems. I'll be featured in season two, and you can learn more by visiting workmatters.com forward slash social movement. Until next time, keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you.